Welcome to the Grove Community Church Worship Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. Here's this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. Today in Mobile, at least, and across the state of Alabama, it is so dreary. In fact, some people are battling tornadoes even as we speak, or the threat of tornadoes. It's a very sad and almost depressing time of Easter, if I'm honest, because not only is it dreary outside, but we don't get to gather like we normally do. There's this distance. Now, some of you guys probably enjoy it more that you get to sit at home in your pajamas and watch and watch uh, Easter service. That's probably something new, but it, but it's different. And for me, it's just kind of I don't know. Depressing is not the right word, but it kind of is. There's just a, a, an emptiness to this difference. And as I thought about it, as I prepared today and, and over this week, and, and, and then as I woke up this morning, I looked outside and I, and I thought, wow, what a fitting, what a fitting atmosphere, what a fitting atmosphere for what we're going through. But I remembered that what I'm feeling must tell, must tell in comparison to what the disciples were feeling. The disciples who all of a sudden lost their leader. The disciples who all of a sudden had stayed three years of their life following this person. The disciples who had, had put it all in to follow Jesus and then to have him murdered, lied about, murdered, and buried. It must have been devastating. It must have been heart-wrenching. Their life, what they thought was going to happen, was ripped apart. And so that morning, the morning, Sunday morning, where, where the first people could then go back to the tomb because it had been a holy day before, and they, they couldn't go and, and, and touch or see the body. They couldn't prepare it for a lengthy burial. They just had to do it in haste. And so that first Sunday morning, the first opportunity to go back to the tomb, I can't imagine what the ladies must have felt as they walked towards the tomb. They probably felt a lot like the weather today here in Mobile. A lot like it feels for me coming to an empty church building. Just something missing. Something heavy. But we know the story doesn't end there. And we know that the weather outside today, if you live in Mobile, can change in 30 minutes. We know that there's a different ending. That the ladies and the disciples didn't stop at the point of death. They didn't stop at Jesus' death and burial. They didn't stop in this mood of, of brokenness and emptiness and, and depression or whatever it was they were feeling. So we're going to look at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10 today, and kind of join them on their journey as they walk in this, in this state of, of shock, in the state of grief, in the state of probably fear. And we're going to join them in this journey as they find out that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 28. You can follow on the screen if you can see that well at uh, well on whatever device you're, you're on. Or you can follow on a, um, on a device that has a Bible app. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. And that's going to be the core of our scripture today. Now after the Sabbath, which would have been Saturday for them, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, which is 
Sunday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, in Matthew's version, they're not going to, to dress the body and prepare it for longer burial. That's not what it tells us, although in another, in another gospel, they tell us that's what the intentions of the ladies were. And as they were going, as I said earlier, I imagine there was a heaviness about them. There was a, a sadness, a grief, a brokenness. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. So they're walking to the tomb in this mood. They're experiencing this overwhelming um, grief, this, this confusion. And all of a sudden the earth begins to shake. And how fitting of a description of what they were feeling. The very earth that they stood on began to shift. There were tectonic shifts in their life that, that they couldn't hold on to. They couldn't understand what was going on. Something massive was happening. And up until this point, that massive thing they thought was, was bad. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Now, what we didn't look at previous to these verses that we're reading today is that the Romans and the religious leaders conspired together to put guards in front of the tomb because they were scared that the disciples were going to come and steal the body because Jesus had predicted that he would be risen on the third day. That's what Matthew tells us. So there were Roman uh, guards. There were, there were guards in front of the tomb, religious guards, Roman guards in front of the tomb, and they were watching to make sure no one stole the body. But all of a sudden, an angel shows up the earthquakes, the very earth begins to shift. And that's symbolic of what's happening spiritually. That's what's symbolic of what's happening in the cosmic realm of things going on. It's shifting. It's shaking. Things are being manipulated and turned around. And they became like dead men out of fear. And the word fear there is phobos or phobio or phobos or Whatever, the, depends on, on the actual way the, the word is being used in a sentence, but it's, it's where we get phobia from. So they became fearful and they became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Same word, different form because it's in a different part of the sentence. But phobos or phobos. Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. So the earthquake, the angel descending and the rolling away of the tomb wasn't the actual resurrection itself. You get that, right? That Jesus didn't come out of the tomb at that point. Jesus was already out of the tomb before the stone was rolled away in the scene. It's, it's showing, and I think Matthew, what he's really wanting you to understand is that, is that something had already happened. Something had already taken place. The world has already shifted, and now everybody else is catching up to that shift. Jesus was already alive. The resurrection had already happened. The angel just came to show off to the ladies. And the women 
who just moments before had been saddened, broken, fearful, overall with grief, confused, now experienced an angel. This bright angel, this earthquake, this blowing of the stone, and he says, Jesus isn't here, he is risen. I know that you seek him who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee there. There you will see him. See, I have told you so. Then, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen. Both of these words were risen in the original language or passive, which means that Jesus didn't raise himself, that it was the power of God, that it was other than Jesus, it was other than his power that raised him, which is important for us. What that tells us is that our resurrection, that our new life, that our coming into a newness isn't just out of our own strength. In fact, we can't do it on our own strength. It has to be divinely given. It has to be um, empowered by the Spirit and empowered by God. So the resurrection wasn't Jesus just being Jesus. It was the power of God raising Jesus from the dead. And so he says, go tell the disciples and tell the disciples to meet Jesus in Galilee, just like he had been telling them. So they departed quickly from the tomb. And they departed with the tomb from the tomb with fear and great joy. And they ran to tell his disciples. Now the word there, fear, is again the word phobos. It means to be greatly fearful, to be overwhelmed with fear. You saw that the fear, that fear led to the men collapsing and painting. Isn't that awesome, women, that it's the men in this scene that pass out out of fear? Isn't that pretty awesome? It's the men who are chicken, not the women. It's the women that were the first witnesses. So they ran to tell the disciples, and they had this great fear, but it says, and great joy. And great joy. And that's our word for this week. The word joy here. It's a joy that is deeper than any feeling. It's a word that is deeper than just, oh, I feel joyful today. In fact, the Greek word that it comes from, that this word comes from, the ancient Greeks said that it was joy was a beauteous spark that was divine. So in other words, it was something that the divine that God placed in someone that was beautiful and it sparked life in them. That's what joy is. It's divinely given and it sparks life in someone. Another, another person wrote this, and this was a theologian. Joy is not just inward. It has cause and finds expression. It thus aims at sharing itself. It is a dis disposition of the whole person. Did you get that? Joy isn't just inward. It finds expression. It aims at sharing itself. It spills out of us. It reeks. We, when we walk into a room, if we have joy, it is there and it is evident and it is obvious. It is a disposition of the whole person. That's 
joy. And that's what the ladies felt. They had fear, but they also had joy. Where moments before they had fear and confusion and grief and, and sadness and, and, and who knows what else emotions they were swelling over in their, in, in their minds and in their hearts. And, and now they have joy. All of those confusion, those confusing emotions, all of those things that were there were questions for them were replaced with joy. And what was the source of their joy? If y'all were in here today, I would ask you, but you're not, so you can't say it out loud. I guess you could, but what was the cause of their joy? What was the source of their joy? It was that there was this tectonic shift in reality, that Jesus was alive, that resurrection had happened, that there was a new world order. It's what they had been waiting for all along. They just didn't realize it. It's what Jesus offered all throughout his ministry. They just didn't realize it over and over and over again. He kept telling them, telling them the kingdom is here now. And he meant the kingdom is in, here in me. It's, it's in my actions. It's in my ministry. The work, the will, the power of God is at work on this world, in this world. And it has been. But now the ladies understand it at a deeper level. The whole earth has shifted. And new life. Life that was dead is now alive. The old way is gone. The new has come. Jesus ushered in a whole new kingdom. And so they were filled with joy. Cairo is the Greek word. And they ran to tell his disciples, and behold, on their way to wedding, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. There's that word again, fear. Remember, we're told that they had fear and joy. They were mingling together and they didn't know what to do. They were still very afraid of what was going on. They couldn't fully comprehend it. So Jesus yet again comforts them and says, Do not be afraid. Cast off that fear. Go and tell my brothers, the disciples, to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Here's what's interesting. That word greetings there that Jesus uses at the beginning was the same word used by Judas in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Judas showed up and Jesus was praying and Judas shows up with the contingent that's going to arrest and throw Jesus in prison, bring him to trial and then put him to death. Judas, the betrayer, when he greeted Jesus in the garden, already having betrayed him, he said greetings. He used this word. Jesus uses it too. But that's not the only person who over the last couple of chapters have used this word for greetings. The Roman guards who were mocking and making fun of Jesus also used this greeting. Because the greeting can also, this word can also mean hell or praiseworthy or rejoice. And so mockingly, they said to Jesus, hell, the king of the Jews. This Greek word that is also translated greetings can be translated hell. Hell, the king of the Jews. 
They said it mockingly. Little did they know that he was not only the Jewish king, but he was the king of all. And so we see Judas and the Roman guards mocking. We see Judas and the Roman guards using this phrase in a totally different way. But here Jesus redeems it, right? Where Judas meant it for harm and the Roman guards meant it for mockery, Jesus redeems it. And the other interesting thing about this word greetings is this the same root word for joy. So when Jesus greets the women, he says, do not be afraid. And he says, rejoice. Rejoice. We say greetings here in our translations because it was a common greeting. But I think Jesus wanted to use it as more than just a common greeting. I think Jesus was using it in its fullness and all that it means. When he says greetings to the lady, he's saying rejoice. Be glad. He's saying this. He's saying joy is not just inward. This feeling that you have is not just inward. It has cause and it finds expression. It thus aims at sharing. He's saying, ladies, greetings, joy, rejoice, but let your rejoicing be known by others. I think Jesus is saying, let it be the disposition of your whole person. Let joy, my joy, change you from the inside out. So here is the story in a nutshell, right? The women, depressed, confused, maybe even angry, fearful, grieving. They show up not knowing what to find just to look at the tomb. And then they experience something supernatural. It's an epiphany. And not only does an angel show up, but then Jesus shows up. And in the middle of all of this, they can choose to be afraid or not. The men collapse in fear. The women carry on fear, but they also have this spark of joy. This divine spark placed in them that brings life and energy. That sparks them and fires them and energizes them. They have joy. And then they encounter Jesus. And Jesus says, look, put away all of the fear and instead replace it with rejoicing. Let it be the disposition that defines you. Not because of your circumstances. Now remember, at this moment, the women were still vulnerable. At this moment, the Roman guards could have come in and arrested them because they knew Jesus. At this point, the religious leaders could have put them as outcasts and they would have had no way to provide for themselves. This could end very badly for them. But they chose not to be fearful. They chose not to look at their circumstances. They chose not to look at the thunderstorm and the tornado, and the heavy clouds, and the downpour of rain, they chose not to look at that. Instead, they chose to find joy in who Jesus was and what he did. And isn't that our story too? Isn't that what the resurrection is really all about? It's about giving us hope when things are chaotic. It's about giving us joy, the very disposition that's deep down in us that covers everything and spills out of us, even when chaos is swirling around us. Even when things look bad. Even when we're fearful. And isn't that where we are right now? Not just in our nation, but all over the world. We're in a pandemic where people are afraid. 
afraid. They're afraid for their lives. They're afraid for their loved ones. They're afraid for their finances. They're afraid for their jobs. They're afraid for their retirement. They're afraid for their children. They're afraid for their neighbors and friends. We are living in chaos and fear. But this day of all days, the message is greetings, rejoice, be glad, because despite our circumstances, God has brought a new world order. Even in the midst of chaos, he has brought hope. Greetings. It's interesting that that same word for joy and for greetings was also a, used, a word used often in Judaism, particularly in really devout Jews. And when they talked about joy, they saw it as a sign of the age of God breaking forth on earth. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? That that was the thing that defined God's breaking movement on earth was joy? And that's that's what Jesus greeted the women with. It's what he meets us with. It's what we need today. It's what we need to hear. Guys, the resurrection means a new way of life, a new way of seeing, a new way of understanding. It means that divine spark's been placed in us. The same divine spark that rose Jesus from the dead has been placed in us and gives us new life and joy despite our circumstances. And so this Resurrection Sunday, it might be windy and nasty and ugly outside here in Mobile, but we know the sun is coming. Our world might be in chaos, but we can still have joy because the sun has come and he has risen. May you find joy in the work and in the power of Christ at work in you. And may that joy find expression to the world around me. It's still out of Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. I hope this message was meaningful and powerful to you, but I also hope that it was challenging. And as always, don't just hear it, put it into action. Until next week, have a great one.